Hey everybody, welcome back to the New Community Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Caleb, and today we are continuing our series, Culture Wars. There are a lot of different issues in our culture where it feels like we're at war with each other, trying to agree and disagree about different topics. And this week we're talking about the sanctity of life. When does life begin and when does it end? This is something that a lot of us are at disagreement about when it comes to abortion or euthanasia. There are a lot of passionate people on either side of this issue, and today we're talking about how do we respond to this in a biblical way. So take out your notes. It's going to be a good one. We have Pastor Aaron and Pastor Sarah preaching together here this morning. everyone. I hope you're having a great Sunday morning. And if I haven't had a chance to personally meet you yet, my name is Aaron and I am the lead pastor here at New Community Church. My name is Sarah. I am married to this guy and I am the (laughs) spiritual formation pastor here at NCC. Yes. And we are so glad that you're with us. And we're in our third week of this series we're calling Culture Wars. And we've taken the past few weeks, we're going to do that again this morning and then next week. And We've been looking at some difficult topics that many times it feels like we're at war whenever we talk about this, whenever we engage in these conversations in our culture around us with other people. And yet as we walk through these topics, we are keeping two things in front of us every single week. And the first is this, although it's difficult many times to engage in these conversations, sometimes we feel like we want to avoid them. We don't want to bring this up. We're called in the body of Christ to bring unity. And that as we discuss this, there may be times where we disagree or see things differently. We want to be representation of Christ's love to those around us. We want to be an example of God's love. And so we want to have open and honest conversations. We've said we want to be quick to listen and slow to speak and to be able to engage with others and really bring unity even in the midst of difficult topics. We also want to make sure that we're not just speaking from our own opinions because there's lots of opinions out there. (laughs) Not all of us are the wisest. And so we want to make sure we're not just coming from our own perspectives and reflecting on our own experience, but that we're going to the scriptures because scripture shapes our lives and God's word has the authority and the truth that we need. And so we always want to make sure that when we're talking about these topics with each other in the church, outside of the church, that we're speaking from that perspective of God's truth truth that we find in scripture. And so today we are talking about um, when does life begin and end? We are literally talking about life and death today. So <laughs> it's, it's a serious topic. Yeah. And we just want to acknowledge this up front. This, this is going to be heavy. How many of y'all have been around for the last couple of weeks, couple of messages? They've been some tough topics, yeah. right? And we're going to keep digging deep because as the church, we don't want to shy away from this. Yeah. We don't want to back away from a difficult discussion. We want the most difficult discussions to happen inside the church. We want to wrestle with these things together. And so this is going to be a little bit heavy today, and it it might be tough for some of us who are coming from places of having personal experiences with the things that we're talking about. And so will you do something for me? Will you just take a deep breath? 
All right, we are in this together, yeah. okay? And our prayer is that we're able to both give and receive God's grace. We have all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, Romans tells us. And so we all need that grace. And so today as we talk, keep that grace in your minds. Keep wrestling with it. Give it to yourself and pass it on to other people. Yeah, and as we were just talking about this and doing some research around this message and this topic, you know, it is a very difficult subject because we're constantly learning new things like science is advancing and we're gaining more understanding both about the beginning of life and the end of life. You know, we were talking about old movies or movies that we've seen and how they t depicted, you know, maybe the end of life happening and kind of this dramatic moment, you know, that takes place as life is ending in some, I was thinking of some old Westerns. I thought of Nacho Libre. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. That's a family movie we watch a lot. I think we actually did that here at NCC at NCC. Yeah, at Aaron Castellanos, wherever yeah. he is, did that. And there's a moment where the comedian Jack Black, if you haven't seen it, he's a priest who wants to be a Mexican wrestler. And he's praying over an individual that he believes has passed away. And he puts the coins over the guy's eyes like he's praying the last rites over him. He turns around and says something to the guy's wife. And when he turns back around, the guy's just sitting up. And he like, he's startled. He jumps back like he's afraid in that moment. And back then they had no real definite understanding of when death had occurred. It looked like the guy wasn't moving. He's breathed his last. And so like there was that difficulty of, you know, decades ago, they didn't have the science that we have, you know, to understand that. Yeah. I love black and white movies. I love to watch old movies and I can't remember which one, but a couple weeks ago I was watching a movie and they pull this person out of the water and I'm like, they're not doing CPR, like do CPR, <laughs> but they don't know about CPR. And yeah. so uh, you see those things and you start to realize like, wow, our understanding of life and death and what this means, even physically, scientifically has changed yeah. so quickly over the last, you know, even decades. And then of course, a hundred years. And so yep. when we approach this, then we know, right, we can't just go to science. We can't just go to our current understanding and our culture in the, wor in the world. We want to go to the word. We want to go to scripture yeah. and see how does God then define life and death? How does God talk about this? What does he say about it? What does God's word tell us about life and death? Because we know that he is the ultimate authority. And so one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is actually like my life chapter. If you have a life chapter or life verse, um, this is like my favorite chapter in the Bible and it's Psalms chapter 139. So we're going to start there. We're going to spit out a lot of verses today so you can take notes um, and all of that, but you can also come back and, and watch this later too if you want to dig a little deeper. But Psalms 139 starting in verse 13 says, for you created my inmost being, David's talking to the Lord, you knit me together in my mother's womb. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. So we see from the very beginning that God is actively involved in our lives and that he sees us before we might, anybody else might even know that we exist. Okay. So from the very beginning, before maybe even a woman knows that she's pregnant, God is actively involved and he's actually knitting us together physically, spiritually within the mother's womb. And so we see from the very beginning that God is not just passively watching something happen. God is active and involved in the very beginning of our lives that begins before we might even recognize or know that it exists. Yeah. 
And there's other passages in the Bible that talk about this. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. So Jeremiah was a prophet. Um, He was called by God to bring the word of the Lord to the people. And in this conversation Jeremiah is having with God, the Lord gave him this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet um, to the nations. And as we look at that, we understand that once again, before Jeremiah was even in existence, God had this plan and he had this purpose that God saw Jeremiah and he said, hey, I've got a calling on your life. I have a purpose. I have a plan. There's something that I want to do inside of you. And so just like we saw in Psalms 139, we see this, that God is actively involved in our lives from the very beginning and he's speaking over us. There's something that he's writing in our story, the Bible tells us, of what he wants for our life. So God is that active part. He defines life before even conception. God sees this thing starting. And then when we look at the other end of that, we have verses like Luke chapter 16, verse 22 through 26. And Jesus is giving this story. It's many times referred to as the story of Lazarus and the rich man. And there was this wealthy individual who had so much stuff. And then there was this beggar named Lazarus. And he begged outside of the rich man's house. And he would sometimes get scraps. He had physical illness that he was going through. But the rich man kind of just ignored him. And over time, both of them had passed away. And the beggar died and was carried, the Bible says, to Abraham's side. The rich man died and was buried in Hades where he was tormented. And he looked up and saw Abraham from far away. And Lazarus was by his side. And he said, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and to cool my tongue. But Abraham said, son, remember in your lifetime, you've received good things. Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And there is a great chasm between this place so that those who want to go from here to there cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. And so when we look at this, Jesus giving this story He also gives us this insight that God sees life beyond our physical death. That life doesn't just end when our body is buried in the ground, but God sees this life. And as God defines life, it continues to go on even after our physical bodies cease to exist. And so as we're looking at how God defines this and what God says about this, we have this understanding from Scripture as we go to Scripture that God sees this before we're physically formed, that God has this plan and purpose and that God is creating life. And even after our bodies are buried in the ground, that life continues on and that God sees our life continuing and that we are eternal beings that God has created. And so this is how we want to define life. We don't want to define life as our culture does or as society does or as science does. We want to define life like God does. And so God sees this eternal value, this eternal life, and sees us as part of that. And so that's the definition that we want to grab a hold of and we want to act on that as we're having these conversations, a court does not define life and death. And a law does not define life and death. God defines life and death. He is the ultimate authority of our lives. And so as God speaks about it, we want to speak about it in that same way. Yeah. And the difficulty is when we're just listening to the culture and the society around us, it can become very confusing as to what the actual definition of life is and what that looks like. 
I remember hearing about a court case. This actually took place in the state of California where a woman discovered that she was pregnant and at some point she went in to have an abortion. And as she's there in the facility having the medical procedure and the doctor that is performing um, that procedure right there, the baby is actually born and panic ensues because that wasn't supposed to happen. And the doctor in that moment doesn't know what to do and he actually ends the baby's life. And as they go into the court case in California, the doctor's lawyer is trying to find out how do we argue this. And so he says, and he studies, and he says, hey, in the state of California, death is defined as the irreversible ceasing of brain waves. That your brain waves have stopped and there's no way to bring you back. He looks at the doctor and he says, did anyone check if the baby had brain waves? And the doctor said, no. And the lawyer said, well, we can't really know if the baby was alive and we can't really define that he has died. And so therefore there should be no court case. Now the difficulty is it becomes very, very confusing and we're arguing and we're looking for loopholes when we take it outside of God, the author of life outside of his definition. And that's why, church, we are challenging you. That's why we're asking of each and every one of us, hey, let's go back to Scripture. And let's really dig in and say, God, how do you define this? Because out there around us, it becomes so confusing. And we're wrestling over, you know, semantics and different things. But we want to come back to God's word and say, okay, God, how do you see this? How do you define this? Not what do I want or not even what do I think or not what does a lawyer or a courtroom think? God, how do you define this? And how do we come in alignment with your word as we have these different conversations? And so I really want to challenge you that as we're having these discussions, that you would open up scripture. You guys, I have been praying in just an honest pastor moment. These are some of the most difficult messages I have preached at NCC. Like every week I leave this place sweating like, Jesus, I just hope that I did okay and I hope I communicated that well. And my biggest hope is not that you would walk out and say, man, Pastor Aaron said that and that sounded really good. But that you would be challenged to open up scripture for yourself. That you would be challenged to go to God's word and to wrestle with this and say, God, how do I have a conversation with you about this? What do you want to speak to me? Not just, hey, our church mentioned this, but God, I really feel like I've gotten with you and that we've wrestled through these issues. And so that's my challenge to you is that you and I would open up scripture and that you would look at these verses and wrestle with God and have honest conversations. Lord, how do you see this? And Lord, how do I help, how do I help myself and others understand this the way that you're defining life? So we see from the beginning that God defines life beyond just our birth and our physical death. We also see in the scriptures very clearly over and over that life is very precious and sacred to God. That life is precious and sacred to God. So even from the very beginning, if you go back to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, where we read about the story of how God is forming man and woman, and it says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and God breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. So God personally, again, gets down. He forms us out of the dust. But the life, the breath, came from him. So God gives this part of himself, this life breath of himself, and breathes it into us. And that's how we are living. It says in another translation, became a living person, a living soul. 
And there's this part of us that we carry around that is life, that is precious, because it comes from God. So our lives, you know, are not our own. None of us created our own lives, right? Like we didn't will ourselves into existence. Our life, our breath comes from God. And I was researching this and reading about this, and I found it so fascinating because theologians talk about this idea of God's breath in us and how it belongs to him and how one day when we physically pass away, it's like we come back to him and say, all right, Here's what I did with the breath that you gave me. It's such a beautiful illustration and understanding that these lives are not our own, right? That the breath that we have comes from God. And that is why life is so precious because we're carrying around a piece of eternity, a piece of God with us every single day when we breathe in and we breathe out. Yeah. And that's why, once again, these discussions, even towards the end of our life, um, of, of how our life ends, we have to submit those to God because this life that we have is his. And we see this over and over in scripture about God honoring the sacredness of life, about God valuing and how life is precious to him. And one of the passages that I think of Exodus chapter 21, verse 21 through 24, God is bringing his people out of slavery in Egypt. They've been slaves for generations now, over 400 years. And as he's bringing them out, once again, we need to remember he's teaching them a new way of thinking. He's showing them a new way to live with each other, to interact with each other. And so God gives them some directions about how they're supposed to do this. And one of this is talking about life being precious, even at the very beginning of it. And in Exodus 21, 21, it says this, if two men are struggling with each other and they strike a woman with child, so she's pregnant, right? And she gives birth prematurely, yet there is no injury. He, sh- he shall surely be fined as the woman's husband may demand of it, and as the judge decides. And then it goes on in verse 23, if there is any further injury, so if she gives birth prematurely and there is further injury, you shall appoint a penalty life for life. Now you read this, and this may seem really weird, like what's going on and why does the husband decide, like shouldn't a woman decide, like all of this stuff. But you have to understand, this is the first ancient documentation of God saying, hey, women have rights. That their life is valuable. They're not just a possession. In so many cultures and society, and especially coming out of slavery in Egypt for all of those years, God is saying, no, life is valuable and it's precious. And so while all the cultures around them would maybe even say kids and babies and infants, like their life doesn't matter. It's disposable if if you don't want it. Like, you know, God is saying, no, it, it actually matters and it's precious and it's sacred to me. Like I value the life that is here on earth. And so God is telling his people, you have to see this differently. You have to think about this differently. You've come out of a culture that says, hey, your life is what you can produce and the quality of life and what you can do. And that's what life is all about. And God's saying, no, all life is precious before you can do anything, before you can produce anything, before you have a job. Like your life is sacred and it's valuable to me. And so God is saying, I want you to honor that and I want you to reflect that. And that's how we want to view that the same way God does, that life is precious and sacred to God. And I was thinking of, of an illustration of this. Sarah and I, whenever we were younger, we had purchased, that was our first house that we had purchased. 
And over time, we um, eventually moved away to become youth pastors at a different church about two hours away. And it was right when the housing market crashed. I don't know if you guys remember that around 08. So we couldn't sell the house. And we lived a couple of hours away, and we were like, what do we do? So we thought, we'll rent the house out. That's what we'll do. We'll get a little bit of money, help us with the payments. We'll rent the house until we can eventually sell it. And so we did a good vetting process. We found this connection of people that we knew. And so we thought, this is going to work out great. And so the first few months, everything's going good. And then about three months into it, we stopped getting the rent checks. The phone call, hey, something may have come up. Just wanted to check on you guys. Everything's good. And then month four, month five, month six, and we're like, what is going on? And we're trying to figure out what do we do? And so we were only a couple hours away. We decided, hey, we'll make the trip down and just look. Maybe we can talk to him, figure out what's going on. And we get there and we pull up to the house, brand new cars in the driveway. Oh, man. We knock on the door. We go inside, big screen TV right there in the living room. And in my mind, I'm a pastor, I'm wanting to be kind, but man, I am getting so frustrated. And and we start to look around. We had just done all these repairs. They had trashed the house, right? Like messed up the floors, there's painting on the walls, like scrapes on the walls, all of this stuff. And I'm so frustrated in that moment. But obviously they had purchased stuff for themselves this whole time. Like they were just living it up and living in our house for free. And it was so frustrating because they didn't care about the house. They hadn't paid for it. And they were doing what was just comfortable for them and whatever was easy for them. And we were having to foot the bill. And this was so frustrating. As homeowners, we thought we had done a good job, but they didn't really care because it didn't really matter to them. Yeah, the reason they didn't, re- you know, didn't respect it is because they didn't pay for it. And we know this. This is a lesson we learn pretty tough and early on, usually even when we're younger, is you know, when you get something new, all of a sudden you start paying more attention and taking better care of it, right? Because you paid something for it. But if it doesn't cost you anything, you get a free car, man. You're running that thing ragged and you don't care about the scrape on the side. Like you don't do the oil changes. But when we pay for something, when it costs us something, then we respect it. And here's the thing, right? None of us actually paid for our own life. Like there's one person who paid for our lives, one person who actually created our lives. And he is the one that we, that we're responsible to. And so we can take our lives for granted and we can run around and think it's all about us and we can do whatever we want to with our bodies and with our lives because it didn't cost us anything, but it did cost him something. And so as we engage in these conversations, as we wrestle with these topics, we have to keep this in mind. Like our culture right now worships self. Whatever feels good for you. If it's true for you, it's true for you. Good, good for you. Do what feels comfortable. Do what feels good. But that is not how life works. And that is not how truth works. It doesn't work that way. And so when we come back to it, we have to go, listen, this whole thing about like, nobody can tell me what to do with my body. Like nobody can tell me how I, how I do things with my own body. Listen, there is one person who can tell us what to do with our bodies. And that is the one that we answer to. So when we choose to follow after Jesus, this isn't mine anymore. I've given it back to him. And every decision that I make, every place that I go, everything that I do, it reports back to him because he is the owner and the creator of my life. And so Romans, it, it talks about this, Romans 12, 1. This isn't a new problem. Paul's talking to people back then going, hey, Rome, 
You're following Jesus now. You can't go do whatever you want with your bodies. No, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Every day, lay yourself back down, holy and acceptable to God, because now we belong to him. And there's this beauty that when we do this, all of a sudden we see life differently right? We appreciate life more. We didn't have joy before we had joy now. Why? Because we're living life with an appreciation that comes from the one who created it, who shows us and demonstrates to us how valuable it is every single day. Yeah. And so as we engage in this conversation, as people that are trying to reflect God, we want to, you know, assign to our life the value that God brings to that And this is becoming a difficult conversation, once again, in the culture that we live in. And there's even conversations, maybe you've heard them, maybe you've read about some of them, or even been engaged in them, of we're starting to discuss, well, how valuable is life really as the quality of life goes down? And there are even other parts of the world right now who are looking at that. Well, your life isn't as valuable because you can't make as much money anymore or like your health is struggling. So maybe you don't have as much to contribute to society and you need to look at, you know, just stop taking up space. You need to look at other ways. And yet we see God addressing this and talking about this so differently. I always joke with my kids because they make fun of my gray hair. Some of you guys have this out there, okay? Um, some of you guys may have lost your gray hair at this point. That's okay too. Okay. Proverbs 31, six says this, this is what I always tell my kids when they joke with me. It says gray hair is a crown of glory to the aged and it is gained in a righteous life. I was like, Hey, you guys, this gray hair means something. Okay. I've earned this gray hair right here, um, by living righteously. But, but what that proverb is talking about is, Hey, there's actually wisdom and value through the experience that we gain as we live life and as we follow God. And so we, once again, don't devalue life as we get older. There's actually more value that we esteem because there's that experience and that wisdom there. And the Bible talks to us about this. Like there's that encouragement and it gives us examples. We look at Caleb, not talking about Pastor Caleb. He's an awesome guy. But in the scriptures, there's the leader um, of the people of Israel, one of the, the tribal leaders named Caleb, who's 80 years old. Okay, I don't know if we have anyone 80 or close to that. And that's when he takes the promised land. He takes the mountain. He kills the giant. And listen, he gets his inheritance for his family at 80 years old. He wasn't done at 75, wasn't done at 78 or 70. At 80, he says, this is where I get my family inheritance. Moses, when you look at him, he was 80 when he started leading the people of God. Okay, it took him 80 years to figure out how to do this before God said, okay, I finally trust you now to lead a nation. You look at Abraham and he's 100 when he sees God's promise of Isaac coming to pass and this promise that God had given him. When we look at scripture, God says, hey, I value life and the experience and the wisdom that comes with age. And so we need to be having these kinds of conversations And we need to value, not devalue life as as that goes on. And the difficulty is, is we have a culture now that's romanticizing this. And there's actually movies being made of someone becoming injured or having an illness or a sickness. It's this beautiful thing as they plan how to medically end their life and not be a burden to others around them. And we're supposed to feel good. 
We're supposed to cheer and celebrate that. When we look at scripture, God says, no, all life is valuable. You don't choose when that stops or you don't choose when that ends. You don't look for the medical way out. I have given you life and the experience in every breath is so precious and it's so sacred to me. And so that's how we engage in these kinds of conversations. That's what we talk about. Now, I want to be clear because I know there is the difficulty of people that may end their life prematurely because of mental illness. And that's not exactly what we're talking about here. We're talking about people who consciously make a decision to medically end their life because of a sickness or an illness, or they just feel like, well, I don't have that much to contribute anymore. And we would say, no, God sees all life as sacred and as precious and it's valuable to him. Yeah. And I don't, I know that we've been part of churches or groups or people uh, who've like shamed families who've had family members who've committed suicide or they've shamed families where someone in the family has experienced abortion and we're going to come back around to this just like we started at the beginning every single one of us has fallen short every single one of us relies on the grace of god None of us, Ephesians says it like this. It says, it's by grace you've been saved, not by works, so you can't boast. What are they saying there? You don't have your crap together. I don't care how great you think you've got it. You have still fallen short. Every single one of us needs the grace of God. And listen, the church has had its share of its pet sins that we kind of, you know, just scoop under the rug. And then we say, well, at least we're not doing that over there. No more, no more of that. Like sin is sin is sin is sin is sin. And we have all sinned and we have all fallen short. And what we need is some grace and some truth here. We need the grace that tells us, hey, we're not gonna do it on our own. We can't do it on our own. And the truth of, I know you messed up. It's all right, I am with you. I am with you in this. And so we are with you. And if you're here and you're like, man, this is hard because I've faced this, like I've struggled with this, or my family member has, you're not alone. You are not alone. This is a human problem. And it's something that we're gonna continue to work through together, that we're gonna work through together. And so I want to take a moment, just lead us in prayer. I want to ask if you would maybe bow your head and close your eyes wherever you're at and just take a moment and reflect on what the scripture has said and what God's challenge is with. And it starts here this morning of we may be here and just as Sarah mentioned, like we all fall short of God's glory. We all fall short of God's plan. And it may not just be around the topic that we're talking about today. There may be other areas of your life that you're trying to stay in control. You're trying to do it on your own. And yet we realize, God, we can't. We mess up. We we make mistakes. God, we sin. And Lord, we've broken our relationship with you. And although we cannot fix ourselves, I want you to hear this, that the grace of God is here this morning to cover your sin to bring you back into right relationship with God, no matter what it is that you've done, no matter what the sin is, God is here inviting you back into a relationship with him. He wants to be close to you. He wants to be connected with you. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. And so I'm gonna pray and you may be here saying, Aaron, I need that. I need that relationship with God. I wanna invite you to pray with me. 
but I'm going to ask all of us to do this together. We're in this together. So let's all say this out loud together and let's pray this. Jesus, I come to you and I need your salvation and I need your grace. So I pray, forgive me of my sins. Give me a brand new start. Be the Lord of my life. Be the Savior of my life. Help me to live for you. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Can we just put our hands together and celebrate for anyone in this room or watching online that may have prayed that prayer? We are excited for you. And I believe this. God is giving you a brand new start. He wants to walk with you. He's close to you in this moment. He's doing something new in your life. And we are so excited for you. Yeah, and I'm going to pray a prayer for the rest of us, for all of us in, in this room and those of you who are joining us and worshiping with us online. If you would just take a minute, don't let me be the only voice, but let's just pray over this message, over this series that God would help us to face these issues again with some grace and with some truth that we would go to the scriptures, that we would represent him well, and that we would bring truth to people who are desperately looking for it. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your word. God, it is the foundation I can build my life upon. When everything around us is sinking and swaying and nothing is solid, you are a solid rock that we can stand upon. And so God, I pray, Lord, this morning that you would just remind us that we can come to you. God, help us as we wrestle with this topic of life and death and as we face really difficult issues with people who are hurting God. Help us, Lord, to be voices of truth. Help us, God, not to shy away, not to back down, but to bring truth with love and with grace to people who desperately need to hear it, God. Help those of us who are older to not stop, to not stop taking mountains, but to seek after that inheritance, to call things out, to pray, and to stand in the gap for our family members and for younger people in our church bodies, God. Help those of us who are younger, Lord, to, to value the life that you've breathed into us, God, to be stewards, to continue to lay our lives on the altar day in and day out and to dedicate our lives and our breath to you. God, I pray that you would draw people to yourself, receive all the glory and honor and praise. You are so good and so worthy of it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. This week, take some time and pray for healing for those that have walked through these different issues. Pray that they would understand God's forgiveness and his healing that's available for them. Here at NCC, we are all about making people and places new. We want to know how we can help you grow in your faith. So connect with us online at newcommunity.co. We'd love to hear from you.